Coming up on the 414 Sports Podcast, we're talking Super Bowl. The NBA tread deadline has come and passed. What did that mean for the Bucks? College basketball is heading into the home stretch. We've got two teams here in the state of Wisconsin doing an unbelievable job. We'll get to that. We've got drama, soap opera drama in the world of college football. We're going to get to that as well, and we'll kick things off because the NFL finally did something right, and we've got Leap 36 into the Hall of Fame. All of that coming up on this weekend's edition of the 414 Sports Podcast. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. The weekend edition of the 414 Sports Podcast. I'm Don Wachillis. Thanks for joining us, whether you've done so on Apple, Spotify, Google, or any of the other five platforms that we currently reside on. Glad to have you with us. So we alluded to everything that we're going to be covering in today's podcast for this weekend, leading into Super Bowl 56 between the Rams and the Bengals. But before that, some other NFL news for those of us here in the 414 and probably the most important thing on an NFL level that we've had in this area in quite a while. Leroy Butler finally has been elected into the NFL Hall of Fame, a a honor that is just so well-deserving of Leroy Butler and people around this area, including myself and obviously tons of others in the state of Wisconsin, couldn't be more excited to see Leroy Butler get that opportunity to put on the gold jacket. His stats speak for themselves. I mean, 38 career interceptions, 20 and a half sacks, four-time first-team All-Pro, a member of the 1990s All-Decade team, winning Super Bowl 31. And for a lot of us around here, he is also the inventor of the Lambeau Leap. But I think outside of what he did on the football field, what you find, at least here in the state of Wisconsin, and especially within the 414, now that Leroy is doing uh, afternoon sport talk radio here locally at 1250 AM, the fan, and then that gets broadcast statewide, is the impact he's had on all of those that he's come in contact with. When you look at social media and you see the number of people who've had pictures with Leroy Butler or who have had interactions with him and how highly they speak of Leroy Butler, that's Hall of Fame worthy in and of itself. And, and I'll just say this, as a teacher, having Leroy Butler come to your school and talk to your kids, your kids will be engaged, they will be entertained, and they will be educated. We've had, over my tenure in teaching, have, we've had a lot of adults, well-meaning adults, athletes, 
professionals of, of various aspects come in and talk to the kids, trying to just better their lives. When Leroy Butler comes in and talks to the students, it is amazing to see how engaged they are. You see a lot of adults that will come in and talk to kids, and the kids are all well-being, but let's face it, they're kids, and they have a very short attention span, and before you know it, their minds are drifting, and when their minds drift, they start to get a little squirrely, and you know where I'm going with this. But when Leroy Butler speaks to the kids, I'm telling you, for 40 minutes, those kids were locked in on every word that he said, and the message that he gave was so unbelievable based upon his own life. I'm telling you, if you have not been able to get Leroy Butler into your school or your child's school, you need to figure out how to do so. And and those situations, I think, are what make him so beloved in the state of Wisconsin. So congratulations to Leap 36 from all of us here at 414 Sports on your induction, your enshrinement, which will be coming up uh, at the end of summer officially when the bust is, uh, is put into Canton, so to speak. But on your election into the Hall of Fame, a, a honor that is so well-deserving. What is funny, in the midst of all the Aaron Rodgers drama, is that has kind of pushed Aaron a little bit off to stage left. He wins the MVP for the fourth time, and I think more people were more um, intrigued with his choice of suit, the uh, the corduroy suit that he wore, and potentially why the man refuses to get a haircut. I, I, I think that became the focal point of social media in regards to Aaron Rodgers and winning his fourth MVP, but he has, and now we sit back and wait to see what the decision is. And I have to believe, as as you read through things and hear other people speak of it, this is all revolving around Devontae Adams. If the Packers can figure out a way to keep Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers will be here. Now, the talk has been for a long, long, long time, will Aaron Rodgers end up in Denver? If they trade him to Denver, what can they get in return? Um, if he doesn't want to be in Green Bay, the Packers would would do well to trade him and not let him just retire and wait a year and then have him come back and go through all of the uh, oh, the ups and downs and the sideways turns that Brett Favre took us all on during his uh, long retirement tour, we'll say it that way. But wouldn't it be interesting if it isn't Aaron Rodgers that gets traded, but Jordan Love? The familiarity now as with the new head coach being our former offensive coordinator in Green Bay, wouldn't it be interesting if the trade actually involved Jordan Love going to Denver that then freeing up Aaron Rodgers, I would say, mentally, thinking that somebody was there to replace him. And if they can, again, financially figure out a way, I think they can figure out a way easily to keep Aaron Rodgers. I think there's a way to do it. What is going to be the challenge right now is keeping somebody like Devontae Adams, who is his go-to. And if they don't feel like they can keep Devontae Adams – then you have to believe they don't feel like they're going to be keeping Aaron Rodgers. So we, we sit, once again, on Aaron Rodgers' watch 
like we did from April through, what, middle of the summer before he decided to roll into training camp. And then we questioned whether he was all in, and then we realized he was all in as the season progressed. And now we hit this hurdle once again of will he be here, won't he be here, and it's deja vu, slightly different, but deja vu when we think back of what happened with Brett Favre and sometimes how we just don't learn um, from our own history is kind of amazing, but that's where we're at. And so now that leads us into the Super Bowl. We've got the Rams and the Bengals, and I'll tell you there are a lot of people out there who are really rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals. They got that underdog spirit about them. Joe Burrow has been nothing but cold-blooded down the stretch, been able to make all the plays necessary. The kid just does not get rattled. And so when you look on paper, you, you just when, when you see the defense that the Rams have, when you see the offensive weapons that the Rams have, you kind of figure like, hey, this, this should be and could be a blowout. The Rams just have so much. But then you look at what Joe Burrow and company has done with Cincinnati. You, you just, this is, this is where the question marks come into play. And one of the things that was driving me absolutely batty in listening uh, to some other broadcasts with regards to the Super Bowl and looking through and reading some other uh, articles that have been written as we get ready for Sunday's game. And one of them was, and I don't recall the guy's name, and my apologies for that, but he was on the Colin Cowherd show. And he kept talking about how lucky Cincinnati was. And he went through this whole scenario of how lucky Cincinnati was. And Cincinnati is lucky to be in the Super Bowl and that they maybe don't have the talent again that the Rams have and the Rams are going to roll all over them. And Joe Burrow was a great story, but it won't be a great story come Monday. It'll all be about Matthew Stafford. And you, you get where I'm going with that. Then I, I kept thinking back while he was going on this lucky tirade that he was on. What about the Rams? If you think back to the NFC Championship game, Matthew Stafford was good, but he wasn't great. And if you think about the dropped interception in the fourth quarter, that would have sealed it for the 49ers. I have to believe that would have been it. You, that would have just drawn the line, the Rams are done. We've seen Matthew Stafford extensively in this area because of his tenure with the Detroit Lions. We know Matthew Stafford is good for a few picks. And he's always good for a few picks when the adrenaline is up. So be careful, L.A., in those first few drives of the first quarter into the second quarter. And I would say to McVay, I'd say, Sean, listen, you need to run the ball. And you need to run the ball extensively the first few drives. Let somebody like Matthew Stafford kind of settle into the game. If you immediately go to the air, you are leaving yourself susceptible to a couple of interceptions. Matthew Stafford seemingly, as he settles down, plays 
enormously better. And you could say that for a lot of people, but it's Matthew Stafford who's now in the Super Bowl. So I'm thinking if if you can figure out a way to get him calm down early on, the Rams give themselves a chance. If the Rams come out and do nothing but want to be this all-star team that they've assembled in L.A. and just go showtime, no, no pun intended to the former L.A. Lakers, that could be trouble. That could be what would be the turning point in this game and give Cincinnati an opportunity. Cincinnati has shown an ability to be unflappable. Cincinnati just does not get rattled. Look at the AFC title game against Tennessee. Look at the AFC game. Uh, that wasn't the title game. That was a divisional game. My par- Pardon me. The AFC title game against Kansas City being down like they were going into half and getting that stop, getting a little bit of momentum, and then coming out and dominating the second half. Cincinnati is just, they don't get, they, they don't get rattled. And, and Joe Burrow is the poster child of that. He is just calm, cool, and collected in that pocket, and they feed off of that. And so they could be down by 14, and when you look at somebody like Joe Burrow as your leader, as your captain, as the guy in the huddle who's directing traffic, and he looks at you like, we're good, let's just keep moving and and rolling and let's get something going, they feed off of that. And that's why I think the Super Bowl is going to be one for the ages. Yes, you take Cooper Cup. Yes, you take all of the different All-Stars that the L.A. Rams possess. Von Miller, Aaron Donald on the defensive side, along with Jalen Ramsey. Cooper Cup, as I already mentioned. We talked about Matthew Stafford. I mean, there's so much as far as talent goes with the L.A. Rams that you almost look as if this one should be like a 41-7 affair. But don't disregard the Cincinnati Bengals, which is why right now, and I will make a pick at the end of today's podcast, but right now it's a toss-up for me because there's a part of me that looks at the Rams, as I said, and thinks that they should just roll. that. Once that snowball starts going down the hill, forget about it, it's gone. And then there's the other part of me that says, all right, Cincinnati has shown roll that snowball, and even though it starts to build up, we'll figure out a way to push it off course, and then do our thing. So as we get to the end of today's podcast, we'll make a pick as far as the Super Bowl goes, and what we'll also do is run through some of the prop bets. I love the prop bets. Once we get to Super Bowl Sunday, we'll cover some of those as we wrap things up. We're going to take a quick break, and on the other side of the break, the NBA trade deadline occurred this week. The Bucks with a really nice trade, and another big trade, obviously, in the Eastern Conference that everybody's talking about. And I'm not sure why. And I'll explain right after this.
Welcome back in to this weekend edition of the 414 Sports Podcast. I'm Don Wachillis. Thanks for, again, logging in as we switch over now to the NBA. The tread, the tread, the trade deadline has come and passed. And the Milwaukee Bucks back in the mix once again as they've added Serge Ibaka from the Los Angeles Clippers in the midst of a four-team trade in the midst of everything. Detroit gets Marvin Bagley the third. They get him from Sacramento. The Clippers, they receive Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale from us here in Milwaukee. The Bucks receive, as I noted, Serge Ibaka, two future second-round picks and cash considerations, and the big name parting for the Bucks as Sacramento gets Dante DiVincenzo, and from Detroit they get Josh Jackson and Trey Lyles. I, I love it. I'm sorry, I love it. I hate to see Dante DiVincenzo go. I think he was a solid player for the Bucks. I think he was and could have been an absolute key if it not for the injury last year in that championship run. I think he would have made life a little bit easier on so many levels had he been able to participate, but the injury kept him out, kept him out of most of the season to this point, uh, started coming back, started playing well, started doing all of the things he was doing prior to the injury, but you had a chance to get Serge Ibaka, somebody that can help you out a little bit down on the low post, obviously a scorer, decent defender. It's just a great move for the Milwaukee Bucks as we head down the stretch now, the All-Star game coming up shortly. I'll pass, but that'll be for another episode. And we make our way towards playoff time. And so with that addition now, the Bucks will, with two roster spots open, be really looking at the buyout market. And so the buyout market now will be, there are going to be obviously teams who will just purchase out existing contracts for players on their teams and in doing so trying to clear some salary cap space and it's more of a management thing than anything else. But some names that are out there include Robin Lopez, which I think would be a fine addition. I mean, we know what what Brooke can do and, and Robin essentially a carbon copy. So Brooke and Robin together once again with the Bucks would be fine. The one that really interests me for a stretch run would be Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin with the Nets is one of those who is thought to be on the verge of being bought out, in this case, again, by the New Jersey Nets or the Brooklyn Nets. Excuse me, that, that shows the depth of my age right there. But Blake Griffin, an athletic center, don't need Blake to score. That was the problem, I think, for Blake in Detroit. Blake was a human highlight reel, and they wanted Blake to be the offensive go-to person when he was with the Pistons. He doesn't need to be that, obviously, with the Bucks. What, what the Bucks need is some athleticism, somebody to protect the, the paint, somebody to grab some rebounds. And I, I think in the midst of many of the names that are being thrown out there, Blake Griffin to the Milwaukee Bucks would be huge uh, to fill one of those two roster spots that currently remains open. And then, obviously, unless you were living under a rock, the big trade that sent Ben Simmons 
to the Brooklyn Nets in exchange for James Harden. And people are losing their minds that now the Sixers could be the team to beat in the East because they have James Harden. Has anybody watched James Harden absolutely disappear once we get into playoff basketball? James Harden is is an incredible talent. The man can shoot. There's no question about it. But James Harden disappears on you once you get to playoff time. And so for the 76ers, you got rid of Ben Simmons, which has been nothing shy and an understatement when I say a headache since this season began. You got rid of him. Good for you. But what is Ben Simmons going to give the Brooklyn Nets? We don't know. Nobody knows what Ben Simmons can do. I mean, we saw what happened last year in the playoffs. He didn't want to shoot. He didn't want to drive to the basket for fear of being fouled and end up on the free throw line. His head, no pun intended, from a basketball side. I mean, I, I don't know what, what is happening on a, we'll say, a human side. I just want to talk about basketball. From a basketball side was a hot mess. He, he, he just did not want to take the responsibility of taking a shot or driving to the hoop and being fouled and having to go through or two, I should say, the free throw line, he was just a hot mess. He had completely lost his confidence. So did he get his confidence back? Now, if I'm in the Nets and you get Seth Curry, yep, that's that's huge. But Seth Curry and Kyrie Irving on the same floor, Kyrie Irving ain't giving up the ball. And in order for Seth to shoot threes, he's going to need the ball, and Kyrie don't give up the ball. So I, I just, as much as I understand why the trade was there, James Harden was done with the Nets. James Harden was done with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. It was not working. Ben Simmons was done with the 76ers, lost a ton of cash this year in trying to make his point. And yet in the midst of that switch, I just don't see how either team has elevated themselves. They've gotten rid of headaches. And so maybe just from a headache perspective, both teams are happy. But for teams that now are supposed to make deep runs into the playoffs and really challenge the Milwaukee Bucks, who are looking to get back-to-back titles, I don't, I, I don't see it. And and Seth Curry, Seth Curry on the Bucks, that's different. A three-point shooter on Milwaukee, consistent the way Seth is, phenomenal. But we're talking about Seth Curry with the Nets, and we're talking about Seth Curry trying to get the ball from Kyrie Irving. It's not going to happen. And how, how much is Kyrie going to play with the whole vaccination thing? He can't play at home. He can only play on the road. The Nets have got to hope for maybe like an eighth seed where they'll be low on the totem pole, and that would mean Kyrie Irving could play a bunch uh, of games in the playoffs because they'll be consistently on the road since he can't play at home. And the 76ers, again, getting rid of Ben Simmons. Yes, Joel Embiid looking to be – the man in Philadelphia and to finally bring back a title to Philadelphia now has to deal with James Harden. And James Harden might be refreshed now that he's out of the nets, but there has been numerous evidential points that you can look at to see how James Harden absolutely disappears come playoff time. It's always wait and see, right? But I, I'm thinking right now, Serge Ibaka to the Bucks has made the Bucks better. 
their two main contenders, eh, okay. I'm not thrilled by it. I don't think it's that big of a deal. And so as we make our way towards playoff basketball, I still think it's our Milwaukee Bucks who've got the best shot to become NBA champions or at least to get out of the Eastern Conference. Don't look, don't look past Golden State this year and obviously don't look past Phoenix this year. Those two teams, I think, are going to beat each other up once they get to the Western Conference Finals. I can see both of those teams making their way through the respective playoff bracket on the Western Conference side and beating each other up pretty well once they get to the Western Conference Finals. But those are two really good teams in the West this year. And I think Milwaukee is the cream of the crop in the East. So it's going to be Milwaukee, in my opinion, against one of those two once again in the NBA Finals. So as always, we'll keep an eye on it and see what happens when we come back. Let's talk some college basketball. We've got two teams here in the state of Wisconsin that are playing unbelievable basketball as we now are setting our eyes towards March and the NCAA tournament. And we've got two for sure that are going to be locked in and ready to go. And we'll talk about it in just a minute. noted let's get into some college basketball and we've got two teams right now in the state of Wisconsin that will be leapfrogging into the NCAA tournament this year something I don't think anybody would have anticipated I think when we talked about the Wisconsin Badgers and the Marquette Golden Eagles we had two teams that we hoped would be doing well enough to get into the dance with an at-large an at-large bid, excuse me. But what we got are two teams that are definitely now in the tournament, and we're looking at what seeding will be. First up, the Wisconsin Badgers. Now, both are playing on Saturday. They're playing after we put this podcast together, so you're going to have to take a peek on, on that beloved computer or phone or, or whatever it is a little bit later than where we're at right now in putting this podcast together as both teams will take to the hardwood on this Saturday. It'll be Rutgers rolling in to Madison for a 1 o'clock tip uh, today, again, as we're putting this podcast together. Going into this Rutgers game, the Badgers are 19-4 and overall, 10-3 and in the conference. We all know about what Johnny Davis is doing and how he's considered to be one of those in the mix for National Collegiate Player of the Year. We know his impact. We know what Brad Davison has been. That fifth, sixth, seventh-year senior, Brad seems like he's been there forever, but his maturity at the point position has been crucial. We've seen Chucky Hepburn and what he's done. You know, Greg Gard just doesn't start freshman, and there's Chucky Hepburn. He had a big game against Michigan State their last time out, and that was a huge win, obviously, on the road, taking down the Spartans. Not something that normally happens when uh, when we think of a Badger team going to Michigan State, and yet they win by eight, a game that they were in control of for the full 40 minutes. And then you get guys like Tyler Wall or Kroll, or these others who have really upped their game as the season has progressed. And so you go away from just having 
Johnny Davis, you've got Johnny Davis and Brad Davison and Tyler Wall and Kroll and all these other guys that are coming off the bench. Now, the bench, Greg Gard doesn't go as deep maybe as the Golden Eagles do, but he'll go eight or nine in. And against Michigan State, going eight or nine in was the difference when all eight or nine contributed in one way or another. I'm going to paraphrase something Greg Gard said at the end of that Michigan State game, which was all nine guys that hit the floor contributed, maybe not necessarily something that is tangibly seen within the statistics as far as that, you know, the postgame stat sheet goes, but they all had an impact, and that's what Wisconsin needs down the stretch heading into the Big Ten Conference. What's awesome this year is we don't need Wisconsin to win the Big Ten tournament have a nice showing but wisconsin is in and wisconsin on some cards as of right now looking at a two seat wisconsin makes a deep run in the big 10 tournament amongst other spots you could see a team right there that might make a one seed might that's still maybe a a dream a light at the very very end of the tunnel but i would suspect wisconsin to at least get a two seed going into the NCAA tournament. And the Badgers now are tied at the top of having the most quad one wins. They have eight quad one wins. And in doing so, that's one of those things. That's one of the areas that the NCAA selection committee looks at in order to make its determination on who gets a one seed, a two seed, a three seed, and so forth. And the fact that the Badgers right now are tied at the top of having the most quad one wins bodes really well as we make our way into March. And then we've got the Golden Eagles. Marquette will take on Butler. Today it's a 3.30 game in Indianapolis. They'll be on the road once again. They had a tough loss the other day against UConn. UConn is scrappy. UConn, I said on our radio show that UConn reminds me of what I think the Marquette Golden Eagles would hope they'd look like under Steve Wojciechowski. I mean, Danny Hurley and his brother, um, dependent upon, and why it's not Danny Hurley who's at UConn, his brother, um, who's at UConn coaching, has, they're just tough as nails. They're scrappy, they're talented, they hustle, they do a lot of the little things. I think whoever draws UConn in the national tournament they're in for a whirlwind because UConn's going to be a tough out. Now, they lost last night. Uh, I, I think it was Seton Hall that they dropped to, but they're they're just tough, and, and you've got to have a full 40 minutes ready to go against UConn, and you've got to be physical. UConn almost plays a Big Ten style of basketball within the Big East. So, again, it's Marquette at Butler today at 3.30. Marquette 16-8 overall. 10 and 3 at home, 4 and 4 on the road. And what can you say about what Shaka Smart has done? Shaka Smart has put this team in essence on fast forward. Everything that we thought was going to happen with the Marquette Golden Eagles maybe in year 2 and year 3 has happened in month 3 and month 4. He has really sped up the process. He's got people believing in themselves on the floor. And more importantly, he's got the fan base believing in the team right now. And this is a team, again, after going through that incredible stretch of games 
where we've talked on this podcast, we've talked about it on our radio show, that if they won two games out of that seven-game stretch against unbelievable opponents like Seton Hall and Villanova and Xavier and Providence and some of those teams twice being rode in at home, just if you can go two and five and be competitive and, and give yourself a shot, that's that's what will be important. And they flipped it on us and went five and two and just balled out. And so when they got to UConn, it, it's been a gauntlet within their schedule. They looked a little tired. They looked a little tired against UConn, and UConn just, again, out-hustled them. So hopefully after the game on Tuesday of this past week in that loss, they're refreshed a little bit because now it's at Butler, home to Georgetown, at Creighton, home to Butler, at DePaul, home to St. John's. Again, as we get ready to round out the regular season, work our way, in this case, into the Big East tournament, and then find ourselves as to what will be when we get to the national tournament. Again, Marquette now is sitting in a spot where they are not necessarily hoping to get in. Now it's about seeding. And what seed will they get? And again, that will depend upon how they finish out the season. And and this is just a team, again, with a player. Like the Badgers have Johnny Davis. Marquette has Justin Lewis. And Justin Lewis, in the midst of that gauntlet of their schedule, has suddenly just, here I am, let's go. And all of the things that we had hoped in the recruitment of Justin Lewis and the hype that you heard around him and what he could be and what he could mean to the team, he's finally stepped into that role and and done a magnificent job. And so now you're starting to hear potentially Justin Lewis Maybe not necessarily National Player of the Year, but could be Big East Player of the Year. So we'll see what Justin and the rest of the Marquette Golden Eagles can do. Again, both playing today. It's Rutgers coming into Camp Randall. I love saying Camp Randall. It's Madison, I know. But they're going to Madison to take on the Badgers. And it will be the Marquette Golden Eagles on the road taking on Butler. We're going to stay within the world of college athletics because we've got some drama, some soap opera drama with regards to college football. We'll talk about it in just a sec. athletics so we've got a number of stories that are creating so much drama and they get covered up on a weekend like this when we're all talking about uh, the Super Bowl and what could happen there you've got Jim Harbaugh who has seen a couple of really good coordinators leave now coordinators leave all the time coaches leave all the time every offseason assistant coaches coordinators vacate but they usually don't vacate for the same job. Usually it's a step up. And, and in college, many a times it might be going from, like we say in basketball, a mid-major to a major. It may be uh, from a major to the NFL, whatever the case may be. But we've seen 
with Michigan, at least on the offensive side. We've seen the coordinator jump ship and take the same job with Miami. Jim Harbaugh interviews with the Vikings and has his name bantered about for other jobs. And so he almost got the feeling like Jim Harbaugh was leaving Michigan in a lurch because, A, he's sitting on top of the world after beating Ohio State this year, and, B, last year had to take a pay cut in order to maintain his job, and I think he's trying to, you know, turn the knife a little bit when it comes to the administration and and make them hurt a little bit. But now Jim Harbaugh, after not getting the Vikings job, has come back to Michigan, and he's all in. That that seems to be the catchphrase now since Aaron Rodgers and others have utilized it. But he seems to be all in, and, and so Michigan now is looking to repeat the success that they had last year. What has happened to Brian Kelly? Brian Kelly goes to LSU and essentially has lost his mind. We, we've seen Brian Kelly give us the fake – Louisiana accent when he gets down there. We've seen Brian Kelly dance with a recruit on a hype video that was nothing shy of disturbing. The only way I can describe it is if you've seen the Seinfeld episode when Elaine dances, just put that to house music and and some lighting and and some and some technologically some technological wizardry that the kids can do now when they post things on social media and to have Brian Kelly there, it, it was simply disturbing. And the kid ended up pulling his thing of intent for LSU and jumping over to Alabama. And then we get Auburn. Now, Brian Harson, who was hired last year as the head coach, um, a hire that I think many at Auburn questioned. But nonetheless, he was hired as the head coach. Now, Brian Harson, Brian Harson's old school. Brian Harson ain't worried about boosters. Brian Harson ain't worried about administration. Brian Harson ain't worried about nobody's feelings. Brian Harson is going to coach football. Brian Harson's going to do it the old school way. That's who Brian Harson is. And so, at the end of the season, a season in which Auburn found itself in its first losing season in quite a while. You had some coaches leave. You had some disgruntled players leave, which now you can do, obviously, with the portal. And so with that and some really kind of nasty rumors on social media about Brian Harson and his family, which they're not worth repeating because, A, they were rumors. They were never substantiated. But you know the world of social media. Something gets out there, it's out there. They were nasty. And so Auburn was trying to get Brian Harson out. But to do so, they'd have to pay him another $18 million. They can't afford it. People are like, it's Auburn. They can afford it. Not really, because they're still in the middle of a $22 million buyout to Gus Melzahn, who's now the head coach at Central Florida. Gus Melzahn, who won a lot of games at Auburn, who apparently rubbed some of the boosters the wrong way and was shown the door but got $22 million to head to the door. Here's the crazy part. Gus Melzahn, 30 minutes after agreeing to the buyout, it was in the contract that he would receive 10 point, I think it was $10.3 million 30 minutes after the buyout went into effect. So he was guaranteed over $10 million 30 minutes after the papers were signed that that would be in his bank account. 
and the rest of the 12 million would be paid off in installments over I don't even know how many years I don't have the document in front of me so when people are like well they should just harson they should just buy him out well his buyout was 18 they they just they don't have the money and because they don't have the money the university went on this obscure investigation into allegations with regards to their head coach in Brian Harson and you it, it, there was nothing superficial about it first of all there was no reality behind any of the allegations and secondly everybody knew the reason why they were investigating is they didn't want to do the buyout so if they don't do the buyout we can find cause to fire then we can get rid of them and we don't owe them a dime well they couldn't because they didn't have anything and so the president wrote a letter yesterday basically saying he's our guy he'll be our head coach now after all this is said and done if you're Brian Harzen, and maybe he can, maybe he can compartmentalize this and put it some way, somewhere, excuse me, in the recesses of his brain and just move forward. How do you move forward with this? How do you move forward? We've talked about coaches being on the hot seat. This is beyond hot. I don't even know what the hot seat, what the equivalent would be for this. He's got to now rally his team and he has got to figure out a way how he's going to make Auburn successful. Because if he's not successful next year, you're going through this all over again. And maybe the buyout is less. And if the buyout is less, maybe that's what they'll do. But Brian Harson is old school. And Brian Harson dug in and said, you, you want to challenge me on this? You want to go out and find some allegations that have no merit? I'm not backing down. So you go do what you got to do. And Brian Harson showed up at the coaches uh, meeting for the SEC the other day when many thought he wouldn't. Th this is a guy who really, he, he don't care what others think other than what he's trying to do and in his mind, probably thinking he's doing it the right way. He really doesn't care what someone like me says or what a booster might say. He's not going to come and shake your hands and kiss your ring. He's there to coach football. And so this is one of those stories that is far from over, and I think it'll be interesting to watch. And it's one of those stories, as a Badger fan, when you, when you think about sometimes the frustrations we have over wins and losses, we don't have frustrations like this. We just don't. We don't have frustrations like this, the soap opera with regards to leadership and what I'll call the front office, which is obviously the athletic administration office at Auburn compared to Wisconsin. You just don't see that. That doesn't exist. And so I think I'll enjoy it, the soap opera that is, because it's not the Badgers. I think if it was the Badgers, it would be incredibly troubling. But it's not, and because it's not, I'm going to sit back and enjoy and see what happens to Auburn with this whole scenario moving forward. All right, let's get ready to close things out. As we said, we'll make our Super Bowl prediction. We'll look at some prop bets, and then we'll close it out on this weekend edition of the 414 Sports Podcast. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll do just that. Yeah. Yeah. 
on this weekend edition of the 414 Sports Podcast. Let's do so with some Super Bowl predictions and some prop bets. First of all, let's start with the prop bets. I like Odell Beckham. The over-under right now is at 62.5 as far as receiving yards. I like the over for Odell Beckham Jr. Give me heads on the coin toss. I'll take heads on the coin toss with uh, with as far as a prop bet goes. And one other prop bet I will take, give me the over on the national anthem. I believe right now the national anthem over under is sitting at 2 minutes and 47 seconds. Don't quote me on that. Make sure if you plan on having a little bit of fun and and placing a bet on whatever app you decide to utilize or if you're someplace where you can actually physically go and do it, make sure you see uh, what is posted but right now, I'll take the over on the national anthem. The game total right now is sitting at 48 and a half. I like the under. I like the under at 48 and a half. My gut tells me that it's going to be a whole lot of Rams and less of the Cincinnati Bengals. And because of it, as much as I hate saying this, as much as I want to see Cincinnati win, I got to think there's just too much talent on the field with regards to the Los Angeles Rams. So I'll take the Rams winning Super Bowl 56. All right, that'll do it for us here at the 414. Thank you so much again for logging in and checking us out. It's good to be back with you all. And so until the Super Bowl has come to a conclusion, we'll be back with you next week. Have yourself a great weekend. I'm Don Wachillis. Take care.